TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. The scoop. It's The Scoop with Doogie. Back once again, it is Scoop Podcast episode 197, one of my favorite numbers. That was my school district growing up, Garlow Elementary in West St. Paul in the Grass Junior High, then high school in Mendota Heights at Henry Sibley. School District 197, that is the Scoop Podcast episode. On this Tuesday, the 22nd of January, we'll go notes early, then finish with a bunch of conversations. Wild Assistant GM Tom Curvers will join. We will also chat with Richard Coffey, Amir Coffey's dad. Richard, of course, one of the better all-time gophers. Was a great gopher in the late 80s. Played for Clem Haskins. Had a cup of coffee in the NBA with the Wolves. So we'll get his thoughts ahead of the Tuesday night game at Michigan. Plus some big picture thoughts as well on the Gophers men's basketball team. Then in the last week, week and a half, I've been out and about doing some high school stories for Channel 5, including Eden Prairie Boys Hockey. They have the Middle Step brothers who committed in the summer to the Gophers to Bob Motzko and the Gophers. So I will replay my conversations with John Middlestadt, a junior, and Luke Middlestadt, a sophomore. Then I was over at Stillwater High School recently catching up with Sarah Scalia, who will play for Lindsey Whalen and the Gophers women starting next year. So lots to get to. Let's start with the Wolves. The Scoop Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie, MyBookie.com. I'll tell you more about MyBookie later in the podcast but just know that my bookie mybookie.com m y b o o k i e mybookie.com keeps the podcast going without them there is no scoop podcast all right on the wolves i'm told to not expect robert covington back at all this month which means he will still miss multiple games with that knee injury with that bone bruise somebody close to the situation told me quote he's not all that close bone bruises are tricky they are painful He's a tough guy from what I can gather. Heck, we had his trainer on this podcast a handful of weeks ago, getting to know a couple other people close to him. He works his ass off. I mean, he is a really good teammate. He's a good guy to have on your team. I think he can be a good player on a really good team. So I think the Wolves have a really nice piece there. But, yeah, a bone bruise is nothing to mess around with. So it doesn't appear as if Covington will be back anytime real, real soon. On Tyus Jones, he avoided any serious damage with that ankle sprain. But he's still rehabbing that ankle, so it looks like it'll still be a little bit of time. On the trade front, with the trade deadline approaching on February 7th, I was told, hey, let's see how these three games on the West Coast go. Then we'll reevaluate. They constantly have meetings. They talk all the time internally, especially guys like Scott Layden and Brian Pauga, about what to do. They are on the phone constantly with other teams. So there is trade dialogue going on. Now, do I sense that anything is even remotely close I don't. Are there teams interested, especially in some of the Wolves' pending free agents like Taj Gibson and Anthony Tolliver? Absolutely. Some of the same teams have interest in Tolliver from weeks ago. The Lakers, the Pistons, the Sixers, and the Rockets, plus others. On Taj Gibson, I know the Thunder remain fans of him. Heck, the Nets like him. He has a lot of fans in the NBA. But again, nothing is close and no guarantee that the Wolves are willing to sell any assets while they're still in the thick of a playoff race now, heck, they have a ways to go in terms of climbing over multiple teams to get into the top eight, but the goal remains the same as it was before the season. Hey, let's be in the top eight again. Let's get back to the playoffs. Let's see if we can actually create some damage, do some damage in the playoffs. Let's not just get to the playoffs like last year, go 
five games, that's it. Let's see if we can go further than last year. So even with a constantly changing roster, no Jimmy Butler and so on, the Wolves internally feel like, hey, we still have the roster that can make a run. So I think they'll take all trade talk right up until the deadline. If they do anything, I think it'll be in those final 24 hours. But as I sit here on Tuesday afternoon, the 22nd of January, I can tell you that from what I can gather, nothing is close. On the potential of the Wolves adding a body, adding somebody on a 10-day deal, that too is something that has been discussed internally. I don't sense that anything is on the cusp of happening, but keep in mind, the Wolves had their top three front office officials recently at the G League Showcase in Vegas. So they have lengthy scouting reports on all the guys available. Plus, they had some free agents in, like Corey Brewer. Now, Corey Brewer is on a 10-day deal with Philly right now, but the Wolves had that free agent minicamp in September. So they continue to keep tabs on guys that they brought in for workouts at different points. So it is possible, but I don't sense here on Tuesday afternoon, the 22nd of January, that anything is imminent. On the Twins front, even after the Perez signing, although that's not quite official yet, but it will be soon, not quite sure I understand that move, but hey, Derek Falvey is a pitching guru. Perez has history with Dad Levine from their Rangers days together, so I guess I'll defer to them. But kicking that around with some non-Twins folks, I just I don't get it. They don't get it. A lot of people say, hey, that's a guy that you give a minor league deal to and invite him to spring training. Why use a 40-man roster spot on him? But nonetheless, it doesn't sound like the Twins are completely done. There's still so many free agents out there. It is nuts as we sit here on the 22nd of January that guys like Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are available. No, I don't sense the Twins are in on either of those guys. But with the pitchers still available, guys like Brad Brock, Bud Norris, the Twins are maintaining interest. So with so many free agents still available, I guess I would not be shocked if the Twins stumble into a guy or two. Certainly, they'll end up signing some guys to non-roster deals. So you will see some transactions from the Twins in the coming weeks before they head to Fort Myers. On the Vikings front, their scouts are busy down at the Senior Bowl. I'm told that Rick Dennison remains in the mix to coach the Vikings offensive line. It's also interesting to see how it shakes out with Clancy Barone, who's still under contract. I know that Mike Zimmer thinks the world of Barone. Would you shift Barone somewhere else? You have a tight ends coach now remember barone was coaching the tight ends before tony sperano's death and with his offensive line coaching experience he coached our guest from the last podcast ryan harris in denver so Clancy barone has offensive line coaching experience but if you bring in dennison what does that mean for barone i just know that barone is still under contract daryl hazel the wide receivers coach is not but could barone shift to wide receivers it'll be interesting i'm just saying it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out there's still some maneuverability that will shake out when it comes to the vikings coaching staff all right, let's get into the conversations. Let's start with Amir Coffey's dad, Richard Coffey, one of the all-time great Gophers rebounders, was a part of some of those great Gophers teams in the late 80s under Clem Haskins. Let's catch up with friend Richard Coffey. All right, Richard, let's transfer what we were talking about off mic onto the mic. All right, tonight. Now, a lot of people will be listening to this after the fact, but we are recording before tip-off, Gophers at Michigan. You say you're excited for the game. I don't know, Richard. This game scares the you-know-what out of me. It's, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, Michigan, you know, they're playing well. They, you know, they're one of the top teams in the nation, and um, they have proven that by their play this year. Um, I'm excited for it because, you know, you never know what happens. You know, I'm sure people, too many people didn't expect us to go in and beat Wisconsin when we did, and, and uh, you know, that turned out to our favor, and 
you know, I, I think, you know, the reason they play the games is, you know, you want to see who, who, which team comes out on top now. Does Michigan have the advantage? For sure. We're playing at their place tonight. And um, and they also, you know, Michigan just lost to Wisconsin, so I'm, I'm sure they're pretty upset about that. So they're going to they're gonna play hard. And, uh, and, and our last our last two or three games haven't been the greatest. You know, we beat Penn State by one, lost to Illinois. We haven't performed very well. Now we're going into Michigan to play against uh, the first-place team in the Big Ten. And, it's, uh, yeah, I'm excited, but I, but I know it's going to be a tough task as well. What is the secret sauce that John Beeline has? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Did Michigan offer Amir? Did you guys... Did you guys take a long, hard look at the Michigan Wolverines? I mean, it's not like we're talking two-star yeah. recruits, Richard, but it's not like the Michigan Wolverines roster is littered with a bunch of McDonald's All-Americans. Yet year in and year out yeah. the last handful of years, yeah. they make some serious yeah. runs in March. I just think John Beeline is an excellent coach. Yeah, yeah he, he's an excellent coach. Mich- Michigan did offer Amir. Um, you know, Amir, Amir got hurt his, his sophomore, I'm sorry, his junior season, and when he was coming off his injury, Michigan got involved, and you know they really wanted to see him play uh, his senior season, and they wanted Amir to hold off signing until until April, so they can have a chance to see him. And you know Amir elected not to do that. Um, but you know Beeline is one of the top coaches in the nation. I, I you know, you don't hear a lot, but he's one of the, he's one, you know how they develop the, the kids on their team. Uh, is a reason that you know they're always good, and and you can see them improving uh, as the season go along. And um, and he's been that you know that's been he's been that for for years. So it, it, it does, it's no surprise that that he has that team where they are in the Big Ten and nationally. All right, four and three for the Gophers through seven. Maybe it'll be four and four after this Michigan game. I mean. Through this first just about half of the Big Ten schedule, I mean, overall, are you somewhat pleased with what you see? I mean, how would you characterize your thoughts through these first seven or eight Big Ten games? Hey, I, I yeah, I'm pleased. I, I, I think we, you know, I wish we had to win, but you know, Illinois was a, you know, they, they, it was their night. You know, they hit everything they threw up, and you know, they had several players to play good, and you know, you know, we play like crap, and you know, that happens in basketball. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm pretty. I'm. You know. You know. You know. The Penn State game was was a win, but but you know, I don't think we played very well. We played good enough to win. Um. You know what concerns me is starting starting tonight. We go into the toughest part of the schedule, Big Ten schedule for us. So it's not going to get easier from from here. It gets tougher. You're right. I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at the game against Iowa on Sunday here. I mean, you like the Gophers in the barn, but that's a toss-up game. And then you look as as the calendar flips to February. You're right. I mean, the Big Ten is a serious grind. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Can you help me from the Penn State game, Richard, with what was that offense that they were trying to run about the final eight minutes of the game? I just – I struggle to get a grasp on what Richard Patino is trying to accomplish with his half court offense, can you explain it to me? I don't know. I don't. I don't know what. It, what it, I don't know what he's trying to accomplish. I, um, you know, it's an offense that he believes in. So he's the head coach. So he he's going to roll with it. I, you know, I. So as a fan, 
you know, I just got to sit back like all the other fans and just watch it and hope everything works out. I, I don't, I'm, you know, I, I, I don't know what the offense is. Uh, I, um, I guess that's my answer. <laughs> that's my yeah, answer I mean, that. they're best when they can get out in transition, but you have to get stops, right, to get out in transition yeah. oftentimes. And yeah. when they get out in transition, yeah. they get to the free throw line. They are an excellent team at getting to the free throw line. Maybe not a great free throw shooting team overall or a great shooting yeah. team overall, but that to me is yeah. is the recipe to their success. Would you agree with that, that when they can get out in transition, including your son Amir, when they can get out in yeah. transition and get to the free throw line, that's how they have success offensively? No, I agree. I, I definitely agree. That's their best chance. And I think, you know, I think Penn State, you know, we walked it up court a lot and they, you know, we try to run a half court set. Maybe he was, maybe, you know, their strategy was to um, to plan for the Michigan game or games to come about, you know, working on running a half court set. Um, you know, it was, you know, or, or maybe, maybe Penn State was just playing really good defense. Uh, that, that affected our that affected our our offense and how 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 the offense ran. But I, I do believe our best success is is getting going up and down and getting out on the break and uh, passing the ball forward on the break. And, and um, I don't think we did a lot of that in the Illinois game or the Penn State game. How would you evaluate Amir's play so far? I mean, scoring wise, he's still what third in the conference. Yeah, he's you know third in the conference. Um, I think um, you know I think he can rebound more. Um, I think he he needs to continue to be aggressive. I I will say when Amir is in that three spot, he's he's uh, he, he finds he finds a hard time finding opportunities. You know, all the action is on the other side of the court when you play when you play the three spot. I, um, you know, I challenge him to, to look for more opportunities when they play that position, and you know, I challenge him to rebound more. And you know, he's you know, other than that, he's, he's shooting a, a pretty decent percentage from the field. You know, you can always work on your your three point shot. There's always things to work on. He just got to find a way to keep getting better and keep pushing himself and keep keep trying to get to to his next level from a from an individual perspective. And I think. As each individual on that team strives to get to their next level individually, I think it also helps the team. So in your ideal world, is he always initiating the offense? I mean, we've seen him initiate the offense plenty. Is that how, in your perfect world, he would be used as opposed to those times when he is playing in the corner as the three-man and he's on the other side where the ball initially starts? Well, well, I I just think if anybody was watching the Gopher games, I I think, I mean, the more – the more the more Amir is involved with having an opportunity to make decisions, whether that's at the the one or the two or whatever, the more active he is. And 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 I mean, he is your high scorer, and he's a he's a leading scorer on the team. So I I mean, I, it seems like from a coaching perspective, you will want to make sure that that happens a lot. <laughs> Do you think the Gophers are a good defensive team? I think they have played really good defense. I think they played amazing defense against Wisconsin in the in the first half of that game. Uh, there have been some other games that they played really good defense, but like all teams, I mean, not just the Gophers, but like all teams, you're going to have some some defensive lapses. And I think we, I think they've also had some some situations where you know the defense have lapsed, and I think that has, that has hurt them. I don't think we've defended well against Penn State. You know, I, I mean, 
Illinois, I mean, who wants to talk about that game? We did nothing well in that game, but, um, you know, that, that happens. Um, but I tell you, they're going to have to defend well tonight if they, if they even have a chance of winning the game and, and, and not getting blown out. They, they got, Defense should be on their mind tonight more than anything else. As a great rebounder back in your day, how much do you appreciate a game like Jordan Murphy's from Saturday when he had 21 rebounds against the Nittany Lions? Oh, Jordan, I mean, Murphy, Murphy is, I mean, he's amazing at what he does. Jumps, he jumps really well. His second jump is, is is really quick, which helps him a ton with his rebounding. And he he understands the angles and the and the direction that the ball is going to come off the come off the rim. Um, so, and with the all those things, uh, in in uh, along with his, including with his effort and activity, just makes him makes him a great rebounder. Um, as 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 the numbers as the number state one of the best to ever come through the Big Ten. You've gotten to know Eric Curry really, really well. Do you see flashes of the Eric Curry that we saw when he played so well his freshman year? I, I do. I think Eric is getting better every game. I I think Eric brings a different dimension to our team. Uh, you know, Eric can shoot the short, you know, the fifteen foot jump shot. Eric uh, understands the post. He you know he he knows how to pass out of the post uh, when 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 that is needed, which is really good. He knows how to reposition himself on the post. So he does. You know, Eric does a, a lot of good things on the post that that we need, and that's, that 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 is very helpful for our post play. Speaking of post play, I mean Daniel Oturu. I mean he's going to be. I mean we talk about Jordan Murphy being an all time gopher. I mean if Oturu sticks around. For four years now, who knows? Maybe he'll have an NBA opportunity in a year or two. But I'm just thinking, Richard, yeah. if if he stays for four years, I mean his statistics are going to be through the roof, right? I mean he is he is a great great player. No, he's he's having and he's having a great freshman year. I, you know, I, what people I don't think people realize uh, now as we get into the Big Ten, right? As we get into the middle of the Big Ten, if he can continue to play the way he's he's played, people don't realize this. I mean, it's tough. It's tough to come into a conference like the Big Ten as a big man and be successful as a, as a freshman. You know, um, um, uh, it's just, it's tough. I mean, I would even say, you know, Amir, Amir had a great freshman year. Uh, when when Amir was a freshman at the U, uh, Amir Amir was out on the wing, there's in the in the in the post for a freshman. So what Daniel was doing as a freshman playing playing in the post uh, is really phenomenal. Would you like to see? I mean, I'm trying to figure out what Brock Stahl's role is on this team. I mean, he hit those two threes in the win in Madison, but then we really haven't seen a whole lot from him since then. Are you curious to see if there's a role for Stahl the rest of the year? Yeah, I thought he would play, be playing more than he is right now. Um, you know, he he played he played some good minutes for us in Madison. I think he was he was key to the win. Um, and you know, I saw it. You know, it, you know, it'd be interesting to see if his role increases. I. You know, if he if he can hit that shot consistently, that would definitely add to our to our uh, ability to uh, uh, put pressure on teams from hitting the hitting the outside shots. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see why how his role increases. On Isaiah Washington, I mean, I think most Gophers fans, in fact, I think just about every Gophers fan would say, "Shoot, they blew it, right? They could have had McKinley, right? They played games with McKinley." Because Isaiah was their guy. I mean, they got their target. Jelly was their number one target yeah. for that recruiting class. Yeah. They got their number one target. Unfortunately, yeah. he hasn't lived up to the hype. But recently, yeah. 
Do you see maybe some strides being made by Jelly just in terms of shot selection, decision-making, ever so slightly? I'm not suggesting he's ready to play 28 to 31 minutes, but ever so slightly, are you starting to see a little bit of progress from Washington? Yeah. Yeah, I think with him, he just has to continue to grow and, and from a mental perspective, you know, he has the, he has great ability. He's, I mean, you know, we've seen his ability to pass the ball. You know, his his shooting is down a little bit. You know, he'll have time to work on that. Um, but uh, you know, he has to continue to grow mentally, where you know he understands what what Coach Patino is looking for from him, and and you know, and he understands how to play. To uh, to stay on the court, I mean, you know, when I was, you know, I, I was coming up, you know, coaches always tell me find a way to stay on the court, you know, whatever that is, you got to find a way to stay on the court, and I, I think if he can start focusing on his approach to the game of finding a way to stay on the court, and you stay on the court by by playing the way, you know, the coach expects you to play and doing the things the coach expects you to do, and I think if he can, he can continue to focus on on those things, uh, I think he'll he'll keep getting better and better. Speaking of your playing days, did I see a picture? Maybe it was on Twitter. Did you catch up recently with, and maybe you see these guys all the time, but I think I saw a picture. Was it you, Melvin Newburn, and Willie Burton? No, it was me, uh, Randy Carter, and Willie Burton. Randy Carter. Okay, got it, yeah. Yeah, Okay, so not Melvin. I think Melvin's in town, but yeah. We we, we were all at the Penn State game for the alumni event, and I actually took that court, took that picture at halftime on the court at Wims Arena when they call all your names out and you go out and be recognized. And those two guys were actually um, standing in front of me. So, um, and, and uh, I've been, you know, I've, I've kept in contact with those two guys through our entire life here in Minnesota. So it was great seeing them. Randy, Randy and I live here, of course. Will, Willie lives back in Michigan, but flew in for the event. So it was good seeing him there and, uh, and getting that picture. And by the way, I, I took that selfie, and, I, and I'm terrible at taking pictures, but I think <laughs> I did a great job of taking that one. I think you did. Yeah, I'm glad you posted it for all of us to see. Who else do you keep in touch with from that team or from those teams? Oh, man. But I'm yeah, thinking about the 89-90 team in particular. Yeah. Melvin Newburn, Mario Green, um, you know, Connell Lewis still lives in town. So a lot of us guys get together, and um, we know we, we used to get together and still play pickup basketball, but as we have – as we have gotten older, the pickup basketball stopped, and now we, some of us have taken up the game of golf. I'm, me being one of those guys. Yeah, I would say. Although, you know what? I mean, golf can be taxing unless you guys have the nice carts. Well, we always take a cart. You never walk a <laughs> <Yeah>. golf course. <laughs> you know what? Your knees have taken a beating over the years, Richard. I think you've earned yes, the right to, to take a cart as I, often I, I, as you want on the golf course. <laughs> I think I have. I think I have. All right, Richard. Thank you for catching up, and let's gather soon, okay? Sounds good. Thank you. Former Gopher Richard Coffey, Amir Coffey's dad. I was over at Gopher's Availability on Monday on campus, and I was catching up with Marcus Fuller, who does a nice job covering the Gophers for the Star Tribune. I think we both agree that if the Gophers get to 10 victories, and I do think there's a path to 10, that they can be safe on Selection Sunday. But it will be a slippery slope the next five-ish weeks. It is a grind of a schedule the rest of the way. Maybe there's one layup or two, but to get to six more wins, it will take them playing really good basketball, which we've seen. I mean, Richard is right. I mean, they played a really good game 
at Wisconsin. They played really well at the barn against Nebraska. They have it in them, but can they do it on a consistent basis the rest of the year? If they can, great. Richard Pitino will in all likelihood have earned a seventh year. If not, the buyout is down to $2.7 million. You have some restless Gophers basketball backers. That's where it will get interesting. But I'm just telling you, my own personal feeling is there is a path to 10. If they finish 10 and 10 in the regular season in the Big Ten, that should be good enough on Selection Sunday. All right, let's shift the talk to the wild. Tom Curvers now joins us. Tom is a former star of Bloomington Jefferson High School, then went on to UMD. Heck, won a Hobie Baker Award at UMD as a UMD Bulldog. He then spent 11 seasons in the NHL with seven different teams. He's worked in the front office for Arizona. He's worked in the front office for Tampa. And he's in his first year as the Wilds assistant general manager. Let's talk Wild now with Tom Curvers. Tom, thanks for doing this. How about we just start with a state of the team? We're through, what, 49 games. Heck, you guys win the other night in Vegas. You go from ninth in the West to third in the Central. I mean, the playoff standings fluctuate just about on a daily basis. But big picture-wise... Do you like what you've seen so far through these first 49 games? Well, there's a veteran uh, established will to win here. I've seen it the last six years, and now I've joined the team, and I see it up closer. And it's not a perfect team, but there aren't any perfect teams in the NHL. We struggle at times, but we, we grab it and compete when it matters, and we keep our head above water. Uh, it'll be like that until game 82. I mean, is the inconsistency, I mean, is it just one of those deals where you just, you want to rip your hair out, the hair that you have remaining? Because you guys can play so well at times. I think I saw the note against teams with 59 points or more since Christmas. You guys are 6-1. and one. Then on the flip side, teams with 59 points or below, you're 2-5. and five. I mean, and you think about the Detroit game, you know, the Anaheim game, the Philadelphia game. I mean, you guys have struggled against some lesser opponents, but then against some really good opponents, Winnipeg here, I mentioned the Vegas win. I mean, it's it's hard to figure out on a nightly basis, you know, what wild team is going to show up. Well, 82 games is a very long, hard grind for every team in the league. And I would say we are not considered, nor do we consider ourselves, you know, an elite talent team. We are, we are a team that needs to work real hard and play a certain kind of down low um uh, puck pressure, uh, you know, get it to the blue paint, force the puck into the net. That's that's the kind of game we play, and it's really tough to sustain that over 82 games. Now, some of our opponents, let's take Tampa, uh, maybe not a divisional opponent, but, you know, they have elite talent, mm-hmm. and they can they can take over a game in a, in a flash, in a, in a five-minute segment of a period at any time and throw three pucks in the net and make it look really easy. Our, our lineup just doesn't provide for that night after night. Tampa's does. They, they just have a different uh, style team that well, I was there for the last 10 years. And when we built our team, we worried about not being big and strong enough. And then the rules of the league changed and came our way. And now you're sitting looking at Tampa like, how'd they do that? That's, that's a perfect team, at least through 50 games or so. But you know, a lot of that stuff has to do with decisions made years and years ago. You get certain kinds of players into certain places that forces a team to play a certain way. So it's very difficult to play a heavy, strong uh, game that and force it into the net 82 times without the extreme firepower that the league showcases. You, you know the names in the league, the Eichel and 
McDavid. We don't have that player on our roster. We have to make it happen with a group effort, and, and sometimes it's just not there. 82 games, 190 days is a tough equation. How many elite teams? I mean, yeah, I mean, clearly you have intimate knowledge of, and you laid out how many years you spent in the in the Tampa front office. But what about the Western Conference? As you look up and down the Western Conference, how many teams have elite rosters in the Western Conference? Incredibly, uh, I think Vegas has some of those elements. I watched our games closely while in Tampa last year when we played Vegas, and they played the same kind of quick strike attack game. And now they're back doing it again, and, and we're all kind of scratching our heads at how did they put it together uh, from uh, standing still start. Um, you know, they are they are a team I think may may be underrated again this year. So I would consider the win last night uh, a big time win for us because that's that's a really good team, quick, smart, strong defensively, and players that were available in the expansion draft for whatever reason have lifted their games once they got to Vegas. So that's one team that comes to mind. I'm not just throwing Vegas out there because we happened to you know, grab a nice win last night. That's for real. And then you've got Winnipeg, who have slowly, methodically built a big team, some very high draft picks, a guy everyone knows here, Blake Wheeler, who has changed his game in the second half of his career to be an elite player where you wouldn't have known what he was going to become as a younger player. Uh, Nashville, where Paul was for 20 years, have put together a team that has all the elements you need to win, strong goaltending, really, really good defensemen that get up in the play, and a cast of forwards that play with sort of a hound dog mentality. Uh, Calgary has now shown themselves to be a top team, uh, good goaltending, pretty good defensemen that move the puck, a couple guys having real nice years on the back end, and they put together a first line with Goudreau, Monaghan, and uh, Elias Lindholm, where you couldn't ask for more in the summer if you're trying to put together something to create uh, a significant attack, and they found the right mix with the trades they made, and they're way up on top of things. Every year San Jose shows up, and they're part of things. Again, elite players at key positions, and uh, two Norris Trophy-winning defensemen. So these teams are good teams, and they're difficult to beat, we seem to be better against those top teams than when we show up and try to, we can't show up and out talent teams. We have to show, show up and outwork them. So, you know, if we go to Vancouver and, and young Pedersen has a game, well, he's got an extreme talent and we have to be a little more aware of that going forward, but it's not like we aren't thinking about winning the game when we show up against some of the teams that have weaker records. And we're really not that much different from the teams above us or below us. We're in the, large group of, say, 22 teams that have a shot at making the playoffs, and we're going to scramble to the end to do that. Then the key is if you make the playoffs, Tom, to have some success in the playoffs. Do you feel like you have the right mix, the right formula to potentially have some success if you make it to the postseason? Well, one of the formulas is great goaltending, and Devin Dubnik's capable of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another part of the formula is good health. I don't think the Wild uh, had that last year. They had significant injuries mm-hmm. before the playoffs started, and then they had another one in the playoffs. So that's bad luck. And then you, you have to get the breaks at the key moments, whether it's the right call or whether it's a clutch goal or a clutch save that turn series on a dime. And, you know, can we get that? Yes, we can. Uh, we have to get there first, and then we have to – hope that all those elements sort of tilt our way once we arrive at the playoffs. Did you sense that the last week would be busy on the 
on the trade front? I mean, heck, if I had told you one week ago, last Tuesday afternoon, that you had three trades coming in the in the next week, would you have told me I was nuts, or did you foresee that, that some action was on the cusp of happening? Well, the only kind of comment I can give to that is, you know, Paul's only been in the GM chair since May. And when you hear of a trade, you often hear the words, yeah, we've been working on this for a long time, and that's, that's absolutely true. You, the general managers run the trade show, not the assistant GMs, not the coaches, not the media, not, not anybody else, just the general managers. It's a 31, soon-to-be 32-man card game. They are taking stock and inventory of other teams on a daily basis. Paul may call three or four GMs one day. He might start down the path of something in September, and then it doesn't work out for money reasons, for injury reasons, for roster surprises, good or bad reasons, and then nothing happens. And then they pick up the phone three months later and say, you know, we were talking about this a while back, and you know, what do you think in there? And, and there might be a fit at that time. So it takes a while to step into the chair, get into the game, find the trust and find the conversations that lead you to what you're hoping for in a trade is a, is a mutual deal. Like, to win a trade and just to think you always have to win a trade, and that's not, that's not what barter is. We're, we're trying for something that can help us, and uh, other teams are trying for something that can help them. And you re- at the end of the day, it needs to be somewhat even, and that's, but that's not how it's looked upon or, uh, you know, quote-unquote graded. I, I, it's like the draft when a, a player is selected in the third round People are grading those draft picks, but we won't know what those players are like for five years. It's the same thing with a trade. You know, anybody can sit down and say they did or didn't like a trade we made last week, but you can't know for years ahead. And we're just trying to, you know, push our team forward a little bit, and so are the teams they're making deals with. It just happened that a bunch of them, well, not, I think three of them came together this week. And, um, you know, we're looking to fill... You know, in, in Brad Hunt's case, we're looking to fill part of the hole left behind with Dumba's injury. Brad mm-hmm. Hunt can really shoot the puck. We're not replacing Matt Dumba with Brad Hunt, you know, 100%. But uh, anybody that's seen Brad Hunt plays knows he has a big-time NHL slap shot. All right, Tom, you say that the assistant general manager is not making the trade, which we get, but but what is your involvement? Like, let's go to the rask Niederreiter trade. I mean, does Paul come to you and say, hey, Tom, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? What is that back and forth like? What is your role in these transactions? We depend on uh, myself as well as our as well as our scouting staff. And you know, keys on the pro staff: that's like Andrew Burnett, Chris Kelleher, uh, Richard Park, and Jack Ferrer is uh, you know a part of our pro staff as well. We also talk to our amateur scouts who may have scouted Victor Rask. Uh, we talk to our European scout regard person. And, and get some background information on the player. We, you know, we'll talk to the player's agent, you know, confidentially to see if there's anything that we got to be aware of. We try to do our due diligence on this so it won't blow up right away. You want to give the team and the player and the and the and the whole new situation a chance to flourish without having something hidden, you know, bite you right away. So you get as much info as possible. There are certain limits to that with tampering and you just is this only so far you can go but you can go around and, and you know guys create their bios and they have their reputations in the league and you, you get a hold of that information and and we have a lot of uh, conference calls we have a lot of tech group texting i'm part of that i'm certainly not the most significant factor i would say we depend on our expertise from our our staff and our scouting 
and then we, you know, we get that start, and then we have the analytics department, and they throw a layer on there of a critique that, uh, you know, may or may not bend it one way or another, and we could try to we try to make a decision, try to get a consensus in our group. Now, decision maker is Paul, and in a couple of these cases, there's some familiarity. Guys that have played for Paul, that he's that he's uh, you know he knows better than maybe some other guys. So, and that always happens with a, a general manager in the league. So, um, we, we put it together best we can, and uh, and a lot of elements and a lot of time is put into it. On Rask, on Aberg, I mean, incredibly small sample size, but do you like what you've seen so far of those guys in wild uniforms? When I when I saw Aberg this year early and then he went on waivers, I'd, I'd seen him play a couple games for Anaheim, and he has that talent that we were talking about at the start of this, where the game is, it looks easy for him when he's at his best. He can do things, he can skate full speed, He's got a, he's got a level of speed that helps our attack, and he can be somewhat elusive and he can be he can be dangerous without doing a whole lot he doesn't have to deke a guy completely he can just you know move his shoulders a little bit and kind of open up the ice at full speed it's hard to be elusive at full speed a lot of guys want to dipsy do and in the nhl now you have to go full throttle otherwise the back checking will catch you he has that ability he has not been able to establish a foothold on a position in a scoring role yet we think we provide the opportunity for him to do that. And, you know, he's a highly drafted player, and he has that kind of talent. With Victor Rask, he's established that he can play in the league, um, and things didn't go well for him the last year and a half or so. So it's our job to help him along. He fills a, a, a role in, at center ice where we are moving guys in and out. He's a centerman, and we think he's a good addition, a good responsible player, and, and really can help us. Uh, and since he's been here, he's, he's played good hockey. So we're looking at both those guys like we are a good opportunity for them, and they allow us a chance to maybe take a step further with uh, with this main core of players. I get a time that lines fluctuate, but do you like those two playing with Zach Parisi? It looked real good the other night uh, at home. Um, and then Zach really had a heck of a finish to our game last night, and, and Zach does that uh, quite consistently well. So. Uh, you don't mess with a winning lineup too often. There's, you know, there can be criticism of a player during a game in a win, and yet sometimes that player, you know, maybe maybe made a glaring error or maybe maybe didn't look uh, as proficient as he should. But you just can't mess with a winning lineup. It's too hard to win. You don't want to change things after a win. So I just I just give him a good mark. Go to the next game. If it, if it wasn't as good as it needed to be, uh, you try to give him a little push to, to to lift their game again next time they're on the ice. Are you guys a decent bet, Tom, to maybe still be active here as we approach, what is it, the February 25th deadline? Uh, there'll be there'll be a plenty of conversations between now and the 25th, and we'll, we'll try to make things better without stepping on our toes. We have a team that's in a playoff hunt. Uh, tonight we're in a, in a you know, top three position. Um, certainly it'll be a, a tough chase for 30 games, and if we can find a way to, to help ourselves along, we will. You touched on bad injury luck at the end of last year, specifically on Ryan Suter. I mean, that was a serious injury. And I don't think a lot of us thought he would be back to start the regular season, but he's a machine. He's a horse. He comes back. But but I think it's taken him some time to regain his old form. From what you can see, is he getting closer to the player that, that you've always known, that, that, heck, that future Hall of Fame player, Ryan Suter? There's a 
there's a sort of a hidden toughness to Ryan Suter, and there's a little bit of a of a mean element to his game, and that has always been um, the last thing you see. He was smooth and, and easy with the puck, and he could play big minutes because he's got extreme hockey sense. Those things are all in place. It's it's a matter of overcoming, uh, you know, a dramatic injury and getting as close as he can to 100. percent And you know, he didn't have a summer of training like normal. Uh, he did not look good walking through the rink while he could go out and skate and look and look pretty good. The challenge is the game picks up tempo as he's trying to catch up to uh, his you know personal level of play. So second half, the things just everything just keeps elevating. So it'll be a, a tough challenge for him to maintain a level of play that allows him to continue to play at you know all these minutes. Uh, impressive in in the area of toughness and and uh, will to play and will to win. And, you know, it would be easy for a guy to shut down there and just say, hey, I'm not good, I'm not doing this, and that's not even a part of his thought process. So all I can look at is Ryan Sears and be impressed that he's out there and and we're competing and and he's a proven competitor. So uh, I think when the story's done, when his career's over, wherever that may be out years ahead, uh, you sure hope that this is a little blip on the screen and, and he, and he gets himself back up to full speed. And I think with a couple of summers of, of fitness, normal training, uh, even at his age, he still looks like a young guy. At, and he just turned 34. Uh, and defensemen can play longer. Chara is over 40, still an effective player. Mm-hmm. Great defenseman can play longer. He's one of the great defensemen. I'll let you go after a couple more talking points. On another defenseman, I'm Matt Dumba. I was in the locker room on, when was that? I guess it would have been Friday, Tom. I mean, I could just I could sense the frustration in Dumba's voice. I guess two part is there a chance that he's back at some point this season? And I guess the second part would be where do you stand on on how everything unfolded on on his front? I mean, that was a legal hit in the game in Calgary. He's then jumped, but then he said he knew that when Calgary came to the X, when was that? Like a a week later in December, that he just knew he was going to fight that night. Why didn't everything end that night in Calgary after he got jumped? I just, I don't, I don't understand it. I really don't. So I'm hoping you can explain it to me. Uh, I hope he comes back this year. I don't know uh, part one on, uh, on that. Uh, I think, I think uh, he could be close to back to playing, at, you know, by the end of the season. But I, we're not, we're not sure. It's got a, it, it has its own timeline. It's a tough injury. On the second part. Tough to explain this to anybody that didn't grow up in the game of hockey. Uh, many that grew up in the game of hockey in Minnesota don't understand it because if you didn't leave the state to play, um, not even you can leave the state and play college, you may not get to it because it didn't exist in college. Um, but when you get to pro hockey, there's a, just a different environment out there. And it's, it's on the decline, but it's not gone yet. It's sort of like the last, elementary school that allows bullying and you know those just don't exist anywhere that we know of Mm -hmm. but this league has a bully element there's only there's only certain guys left in the league that are even willing to show up and fight and i can tell you that matt dumba may have maybe down about about being injured in the fight but when that game came around the second game he wasn't afraid he showed up to play like okay bring it what's where's it coming from i'm ready for some he, he is a keen competitor, so as tough as it is on this end, uh, 
I remember I was in San Antonio with our farm team, and, and I was watching. I go, the guy who's most excited is Dumba because there's there's going to be action tonight, and he is that he's he's built for this foreign concept of uh, hockey justice. It it there is no hockey justice. You can get a penalty for cross checking a guy in the head, and you can get a an equal penalty for for tapping his stick out of his hands. It's those are not those are not equal the, the equal punishment or equal. Um, infractions to get the same penalty, but that's our game. And it just, it still exists. It hasn't been taken out of the game. Therefore you have to, you have to deal with it. You have to have a team that's capable of dealing with it. And you're not going to explain it to soccer moms. You're not going to explain it to uh, basketball players or football players or baseball players that make it to the ultimate level because it only exists in hockey anymore. And I don't even know if I've explained it to you, but, it's still there, and it hasn't been eradicated. Therefore, it exists. I'm not going to say it's why people go to the games, but our games are exciting when things get emotional and tense. And uh, once in a while, this stuff, you know, peaks out the side, and it still shows up. And there is bullying in hockey; it just simply does exist. Yeah, I just I don't get it, you know. And I appreciate the response, Tom. It was an incredibly fair response. I just, from my standpoint. And maybe it's because I am more a basketball guy, baseball guy, football guy. But I just, to me, it should have just, it should have been left there in Calgary. And I get it. I mean, if Dumba doesn't get hurt, you know, everything, everything, I guess, is okay. You know, and heck, the fans were on their feet, right? I mean, that was an exciting first period that night against Calgary. I just, it's so unfortunate because he was having such a great year, right? An all-star-esque year. You know, I mean, he was one of those guys that, that it looked like his game was going to another level. Such a good player. So from my standpoint, I just I feel so bad for him. And then talking to him in the locker room on Friday, I'm just telling you, I just I could sense the real frustration in his voice. I think that I think that sadness that he can't play. He loves loves to play hockey. He yeah. loves it. He is he is he he pushes our heartbeat of our team, so we do miss him in more than just uh, power play production. And good defense. We miss we miss what he shows up to the rink with the excitement to play the game every night. These last thirty three games, I guess it would be what thirty three games in the regular season. Do you have a sense? Do you have a feel time for for a player or two, or who knows? Maybe it's three or four of of guys that might take their game to another level and hopefully lead you guys to the playoffs. Well, we have to depend on the guys that are in place. We have a couple of guys that that have taken this team there. Uh, year after year, you know, in the last six years, and and we have to count on them because they're getting the prime ice time. And when you get an effort like Zach Parisi last night, and you get an effort uh, that Miko Koibu and and the and the players on the ice, Spurge and Suter, when he got out of the box on a, off a five on three and five on blocking shots, and they played like they want this bad. And so I go back to those guys. They've been there. They've they've been bringing this team to the playoffs every year. There hasn't been as much playoff success as anyone wants. And the, the first step is getting there. And they showed again last night uh, when when people start to doubt these guys, they show up and play a game where you, you have to check that back in and say, okay, I think they can. And here we are. We're, we're fighting for it again. And nothing's perfect. And we're very level with a bunch of teams we're, we're fighting for a playoff spot with. And, uh, we have a we have a built-in desire and built-in veteran will to win. I referenced that before, but uh, that was the, the term brought up by Tim Army, our farm team. He says there's just something there, and uh, it shows up enough that it keeps this team afloat. 
I'll leave you after this. What's what's your balancing act like right now from a from a professional scouting point of view and a, and an amateur scouting point of view? I mean, are you doing both? Are you doing a good amount of of work for for the draft, and are you also doing a good amount of pro scouting as we head into that trade deadline? My duties are more split as general manager of Iowa, and so I talk with with Tim Army, you know, daily, and then I travel probably every other week to to be part of uh, you know their weekend of games, um, and then I do some pro scouting, but really you have to be all in on the amateur scouting. You have to commit your lifestyle to amateur scouting to have a to have a trustable point of view because you have to see players more than once. You can't you can't just float in, check out a player, and make a decision and move on. Yet you have to dig deep on these young players, and then the pro scouting. You know, again, you got to be full throttle on pro scouting. We depend on our pro scouts to be our expertise. I just talk to them a lot, and uh, I was one of those guys for 20 years. I did that work. It's it's honorable work. It's a good fraternity of guys. I did three years on the amateur side when I was in Phoenix. That's extra hard work and an extra deep uh, discovery you need to make on young players that you're unfamiliar with. So they're all. They're all part of it. They're all equal parts of it. I spend most of my time uh, dealing with Paul in the wild and Tim Army and the Iowa wild. And then we have good people in place taking care of our scouting on the two scouting fronts. Tom, I greatly appreciate the background. Thank you so much. And if we can, let's do this again sometime in February. My pleasure, Doogie. That was fun. I always love talking to hockey guys. Love to establish a relationship with Tom Curvers, wild assistant general manager. One quick Vikings note before we transition to my three high school interviews. Stumbled into this one early Tuesday evening, recording this podcast over about a four-hour window on Tuesday, the 22nd of January. That darn A-job, the TV job getting in the way of my real toy department recording podcast. Wish I could do this more regularly, more on a full-time basis, but it just doesn't work like that, the main job gets in the way often, although I enjoy doing TV, really enjoy doing TV. But anyway, got the note that the Vikings are meeting on Tuesday night in Mobile at the Senior Bowl with Dalton Reisner, a popular mock draft name, offensive lineman from Kansas State. Now, the Vikings will meet with a number of guys over the next handful of days at the Senior Bowl, but I know that's a popular name among Vikings fans, so I wanted to pass that one along. Vikings meeting with Dalton Reisner on Tuesday night. Let me remind you that the Scoop Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie, MyBookie.com, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, MyBookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. They have unbelievable reviews. They've been around for a long time. They have a wonderful reputation. Hey, just Google MyBookie. You can read all the great reviews as we head into Super Bowl Sunday in a couple weekends. If you're thinking about, hey, I have a strong opinion on the Rams or on the Patriots or on any number of prop bets, think about using MyBookie, MyBookie.com. And if you use the promo code SCOOP, promo code SCOOP, when you sign up, you get all sorts of benefits thrown your way. They are great, and they keep the podcast going. We are forever indebted to the fine folks at MyBookie and MyBookie.com. All right, let's start basketball, then we'll finish with hockey for no particular reason. It just so happens I have the basketball interview queued up here. It's with Sarah Scalia, Stillwater High School senior guard, recently scored her 2,000th career point. She'll play for Lindsey Whalen and the Gophers next year. I was over at Stillwater 
couple weeks ago, Stillwater is actually up to number three in the state rankings. They only have a couple losses this year. So when I talked to her, they were like nine and two, something like that. They've won three games since then, but it still works. It'll still play. So here's my interview with future gopher, Sarah Scalia. Sarah, let's just start with the team. Coach told me you guys are nine and two. The two losses to two really good teams, Hopkins and Wyzetta. What do you know about your team through these first 11 games? Um, I mean, we're really competitive, and we obviously like to win and stuff, but the two losses we learned from, and we're getting better from each one. So, yeah, but I think our team is working better together as the team, as the games keep going on, and I think we're doing good. I mean, the goal obviously has to be the state tournament, right? You guys came relatively close last year. What, section, what, semifinals? I mean, do you feel like you have the group that, that can possibly make a run to the state tournament? Um, yeah, I think we're all definitely really motivated to get to the state tournament because we haven't done it that much here and yeah I think this is just our year we have a lot of talent but we just got to put it together and work together how has life changed since you committed to the University of Minnesota um I mean just sometimes I always just get like OMG you committed there and stuff I'm just like yeah but I mean obviously more people are like watching me and stuff because they've heard of me and stuff but I just got to keep playing my game I mean do you welcome though the attention do you enjoy the spotlight um, I mean, sure. I mean, it's nice to have, like, the support and stuff, especially from my teammates and coaches. So, yeah. I saw a couple weeks ago you hit, what, the milestone of 2,000 career points. What does that mean to you? Um, it means a lot, but obviously I couldn't have done it without my team and coaches because couldn't have, yeah, accomplished any of this. But, yeah, it means a lot just that they're here supporting me through it all, too, because, Yeah. I mean, where did you get the gift of scoring? I mean, to score that many points, you have the gift of putting the ball in the basket. Where did that gift come from? Um, I mean, I've always been in the gym, like, every day since I was little and just keep working on my game and different aspects of it. And my dad obviously helped a lot with that, just on what I should do, keep working on to get better and stuff. And yeah. Is there a shot that you won't take? I mean, I mean, if you're in the gym and you get the ball, I mean, the idea is you're going to make that shot, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I know coming into, like, these conference games and stuff, obviously teams are going to be playing really tight on me, so I have to be able to make uh, a lot of hard shots, and if that means deep shots, too, then i got to take it. So I practice those and practice a lot, too. Where do you need to improve as we head into, I mean, next thing you know, you'll be on campus, and hopefully you can play as a true freshman. Um, yeah, I think one of the biggest things I need to improve on is just talking to my teammates and communicating on where they should be and stuff, and just keep leading the team and working together. What do you see so far from Lindsey Whalen's team? I mean, they're off to a phenomenal start. Didn't go so well the other day in Ann Arbor, but still, nonetheless, off to a phenomenal start. What sticks out to you as you watch them play? Yeah, I mean, I've been to a couple games and stuff, and it's just, like, kind of surreal just knowing that I'm going to play there next year. And, yeah, I mean, I love the way they play, too, really fast and up-tempo, and they're a really good team, and they've been showing that through the start of the season. Do you have position flexibility? I mean, do you play both guard positions? Um, yeah, shooting guard or point guard, I play either. So, yeah. I mean, is there one that you prefer over the other? Um, not really. I mean, I'll take the ball down the court. Like, I'm comfortable doing either one. And your sister's on the team. Did I hear that right from Coach? Yeah. What's it like playing with your sister? Um, I mean, yeah, it's like so obviously something special because you know not many people are able to play with like their younger sister and stuff and. I don't know, like, we just know each other really well, and, yeah, I know she looks out to me and stuff, too, so, yeah. 
And I mean, you know that, you know that she's looking up to you. I mean, how much do you value that? How much do you try to set that example for her? Um, yeah, I just got to keep saying positive too, because I know other people other than her are watching too. So I got to just keep saying positive, working hard. One change in the last 17 days or so since I did that interview at Stillwater High School, Whalen's team has lost a bunch of games. <laughs> they were riding high. They only had the one loss when I talked to Sarah. Now, since then, it's been one loss after another. It is not a good run for Whalen's bunch. All right, let's transition to the middle step brothers. John is a junior forward. Luke is a sophomore defenseman. They are the younger brothers of Buffalo Sabre, Casey Middlestat, former Mr. Hockey winner at Eden Prairie High School, former Golden Gopher, John and Luke committed to Bob Motzko and the Gophers in the summer. I was over at Eden Prairie's practice last week. Here are my conversations with John Middlestat and Luke Middlestat. We will start with Junior John. You know, I'll start there. Speaking of dad, coach was just telling me that you guys have a nickname for your dad. Is it D3? Oh, yeah, we call him D3 because he went, uh, he's the only one who played Division One sports in my family, so we all kind of joke about it, and it's kind of funny. It's all funny games. So. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, he was a great athlete, I was told, at St. Olaf. But, yeah, I mean, when considering the middle stat boys, I mean, all you guys, you know, either are D1 or will be D1. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, he loves it, too, so... I mean, just it's unbelievable, though, isn't it? When you think about you know Casey's success, and now you and Luke committing to the Gophers. I mean, what a hockey family! Yeah, it's been awesome. I think it's all because of my parents, and they've invested in a sport court, and that's where it all came down. That's like where it all happened, right there. So, tell us more about that. So, a sport court at your house? So he he bought us a sport court when we were really young, just so we could like work on our game and shoot pucks, stick handle, and I think it's really all because of that, to be honest just where we learned our skills and everything so so what age so like right like off to the side of the garage outside a sport court and that's where you guys kind of worked on your skills yeah in the backyard uh he made a sport court and then yeah basically that i don't know i mean at a really young age i mean we talking five six like four or five so yeah so i mean i guess in some ways your success at this point now that you're a junior in high school maybe isn't all that shocking um, I don't know. It's it's pretty crazy to think, to be honest. I mean, the years have gone by so fast. I can't believe I'm already a junior. How's the year going so far for you? Oh, it's going great. You know, our team's a lot better than we were last year. We sort of bounced back a lot, and we got a lot more seniors this year, which makes a big difference too. So, nine four and two through the first fifteen games, but I mean, it's it's been a loaded schedule. Yeah, it's been a very loaded schedule. We've definitely had some losses that we that I think we could have won, and we've had some ties that I thought we could have won too. And yeah, I think our record's pretty good, knowing our record, like knowing the teams we play. So, I saw that you're one of the captains. How much pride do you take in being one of the captains? Uh, it's an important role, and I know I got to do whatever I can for my team and be a good leader for for everyone, like the younger players, and even for some of the older players too. How much do you lean on older brother Casey for advice? All the time. He's he's my biggest role model. He's the reason. He's probably the reason why I am where I am right now. He showed me that um, hard work can get you like anywhere because he had a very good work ethic. How much pride do you take in being able to play with your brother? I mean, not a lot of kids get to say, "Hey, I get to play with my brother." And you guys are on the ice all the time together, power play and other opportunities where you know Luke's defense and and you're up there playing forward. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, we have great chemistry out there, and um, we know where we are, where uh, each other are all the time, and it makes it a lot of fun. And, yeah, I think it helps us a lot. 
How cool was it when, against St. Thomas Academy, your brother got his first varsity goal? Oh, that was awesome. He was so excited. Such a beautiful goal, too. And many more to come, that's for sure. I mean, was that just the talk of the house that night and into the next day? Yeah, for sure. He couldn't stop bragging about it. So, yeah. What is it like at home? I mean, do you guys just constantly compete? Yeah, it's constantly a competition about anything, anything, you name it. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And we just chirp each other all the time, too. So, Even girls? Um, I wouldn't say girls, actually. That's the only thing. So not everything? No, not everything, I guess, but almost everything. Where's Luke grown as a player? I mean, this is his first varsity year. Now, granted, you guys play in the Elite League. He's seen great competition. Yeah. But nonetheless, this is his first varsity year. How is he handling things? Oh, he's doing unbelievable. I mean, I never, I never thought he would be this amazing. Like, he's been one of our top players, and he's really... He's playing beyond his years right now, so, yeah. How about your game? I mean, how has your game evolved over the last handful of months and over the last year? Um, it's, I think it's gotten a lot better. I've focused on getting stronger, and, um, you know, I've, I've faced a lot of adversity, too, so I've been trying to overcome that adversity, too, and just become a better player. Adversity? What kind of adversity? Well, I mean, it's not always the easiest being, like, Casey's brother, but... Although he's taught me a lot, and that he's the reason that where I am right now. So, I mean, when you're going into visiting arenas, though, are you constantly hearing that you're Casey's younger brother, and the fans give you a lot of grief for that? I mean, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just taught me to be like a better player and to face to go through it in a positive way rather than being jealous. You don't want to be jealous, that's for sure. You want to be proud of him all the time. I suppose, I mean, the spotlight is always on you, right? Whether right or wrong because of your last name, but that means you have that much more to live up to and, you know, represent in the right way. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Okay, and then how about just the rest of the way here? I mean, do you feel like that this team has some of the characteristics that it'll take to to be playing in in March at at the XL Energy Center? Oh, no doubt. We got the team this year. We got everyone close together. And, um, yeah, I think we got everything. We got all it takes, so I think we're ready. Maybe after this, has life changed at all since you committed to the Gophers? No, it's just been – it's pretty much been the same. You know, not much has changed. Just like – yeah, I don't know. <laughs> There's not much I could say about that one. but I mean, do you look at the Gophers as a legacy school because of Casey's success in his one year there? Yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to play there my whole life. I've been going to games ever since I was three years old, you know, listening to the band and meeting uh, Goldie the Gopher, so... Yeah. Kids love Goldie the Gopher. There is no denying that. I can tell you that my boys, Drew and Keaton, think the world of Goldie. They don't care if you name the Gopher is out there, Tyler Sheehy, and so on. They, if they could only meet one person at Mariucci Arena, it absolutely would be Goldie the Gopher. All right, here's my conversation with John's younger brother, also a future Gopher, Eden Prairie sophomore defenseman, the youngest of the Middlestad brothers. It is Luke Middlestad. Luke, just how is year number one? I mean, this is your first year of playing varsity, right? You were playing Bantams last year at this time. What's this first year on varsity like so far? Uh, it's been a lot of fun for me. Everyone's treating me pretty well as a rookie. I mean, some stuff they got to do as a rookie, but I mean, I'm still having a lot of fun with it, and I love being here. What is some of those things that you have to do as a rookie? Uh, just some initiation. I had to sing on the bus in front of everyone, pay pay for dinner. That's pretty much it so far. I think there's some more coming, though. I'm not sure of it. What's the competition level like? I mean, when you raise up to the varsity level from where you were last year, is it night and day? 
Uh, yeah, it pretty much is. I had, I played in a league before it that was a bit tougher, so I kind of got used to the competition before it. And well, like I said, it's pretty competitive every night, and people just everyone just wants to win in this league, so it's a lot of fun. I, mean, I suppose it is nonstop for you. Was that one of those elite leagues that you played in? Yeah, we played two to three games every weekend, so it was nonstop from end of August to end of October. I still had a lot of fun with it, but it was nonstop. What's it like playing with your brother? It's a lot of fun. I mean, I love playing with him. He's he's really good. I mean, he just knows how to make plays. It's a lot of fun. I mean, do you? I mean, how often are you guys on the ice together? You know, you playing defense. He's one of the forwards on the ice. I mean, do you just marvel watching him when you're out there with him? Yeah, he's he's crazy. I mean, he's literally the fastest kid on every every team I've, we've played against so far. I play with him on power play once in a while, and he he can shoot the puck, make plays, really do anything. It's a lot of fun. How about the team overall? You guys are 15 games in here. You've played a really difficult schedule. Do you like what you've seen so far? Yeah, I I think we've done pretty good. We had a couple, a few tough losses so far, but we beat some good, pretty good teams so far, and I like what I see so far. So. And the schedule's about to ramp up, right? You still have Minnetonka twice, and you have Edina twice. Yeah, we have we play them on Thursday, and then we also play Wyzetta twice, and they they have a good team this year, so it's just getting tougher. Take us through the backstory of how you ended up playing defense when John plays forward, when Casey plays forward. So in squirts, I was playing forward, and I was kind of more of a defensive forward, and I didn't score that many goals. And the coach was like, I'm going to throw you out at D, and then I guess I stuck. I loved playing it, and I guess I was pretty good at it, so they just kept me there. So, I mean, you're not changing, but at this point, varsity and gopher commit and all that, you're strictly a defenseman. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I love playing forward, but defense, I guess, is my position. How has life changed since you committed to the Gophers? Uh, not much of it. Not much has changed actually. I just keep keep going to work and doing everything I want, improving, get to the next level. Some schools still recruiting you, even? Uh, not too much. Just I just keep in, to- in contact with the U, and that's pretty much all. You like what you see so far from Coach Motzko's team? Yeah, I love the way he thinks the game. He's like he's a great hockey mind. Knows what he's talking about. I love the way he coaches. How much do you lean on Casey for advice? I, I lean on him a, uh, a lot. I mean, he knows what he's doing, so if I ever need anything, he's the first person I talk to. I mean, does he find a way to watch even some of the Eden Prairie games and give you some feedback? Yeah, he's been talking to the Buffalo players. We actually sent them some EP stuff, and they got a picture of it. It was pretty cool. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, not many people in your position have access to a locker room to a player like Casey. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, he's been a huge inspiration for me, and I don't know what I'd do without him, so... As you evolve, as you evolve as a player, where can you get better? I think definitely my shot and strength is my biggest weakness right now. I'm just trying to improve my shot every day, and then strength, I think, will come along with it. Are you still even growing? I mean, heck, you're only in 10th grade. Are you still growing? Will you grow another couple inches? I hope I'm still growing. I'm only 5'10 5'11", so I hope I still get bigger, but I don't know. What's it like at home? I mean, do you and John just constantly compete in everything? Yeah, whatever it is, NHL 19 on the Xbox or whatever, we're still competing and yelling at each other. I mean, do you know, though, deep down, how cool it is to be able to play with your brother as competitive as you guys are? You know, I mean, can you just realize how cool it is to be able to play with an older sibling? I think I take it for granted once in a while because playing Bantams last year, I actually missed him pretty much. And then this year has been so much fun playing with him in the fall and then being able to play with him in the winter. Eden Prairie's team motto this year is Together We Will. They wear these jerseys, these practice jerseys that say Together We Will with the date March 7th, 2019, which would be, what, quarterfinal Thursday 
of the state tournament. They have one heck of a section to get through, but Eden Prairie has talent to definitely make it to the XL Energy Center. And who knows, maybe come, what would it be, March 9th, Saturday, March 9th, maybe they hoist a state championship trophy. Thank you to the Middlestab Brothers for joining the podcast. Also, thank you to Sarah Scalia, Richard Coffey, and Wild Assistant GM, Tom Curvers. I mixed in a couple notes there, so hopefully you got some notes out of this as well. Always appreciate you listening. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 197. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA. That's DNA to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. Anticipation is building. The holidays are just around the corner, and at the Home Depot, we can't wait. With Black Friday savings all through November, you can count down to Christmas early with a Santa Countdown Inflatable Special Buy, only $69.98. Or anticipate when friends and family come to visit with an entrance full of LED lights that will welcome them and the holidays with open arms. Get the holiday magic started early. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.